Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies, from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization, and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts, hosted, edited, and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador. Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert, your host, and today we're going to be talking about insights into B2C and B2B e-commerce. Uh, for the year that we're, we're now in, for 2021, we're going to be touching on a variety of topics. Um, I'm really lucky to have with me here today uh, a couple of industry insiders uh, who have a vast array of different information and experience. Uh, and so we've got Ted from the Kenzium team, Shannon from the Vertex team, and we're going to see where today's conversations take us because these are gentlemen that uh, I'm used to sitting down at trade shows and just I, I can't think of a conversation that I've had with either where I didn't learn a ton. So uh, with no further ado, uh, Ted, would you do the honor of uh, being the first to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, and thanks for having me, Robert. I really appreciate it. <clears throat> it's good. It's been I, I realize I haven't seen you in person for a year, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's great. It's absolutely crazy this last year that we've been through. And um, I really applaud. I was part of a podcast about four weeks ago, and it was a really cool opportunity to look back that I otherwise wouldn't have taken. And, um, you know, I just, we don't do enough of that, of, of that stuff. But, um, you know, it's really, you know, I really just applaud the innovation that I've seen um, with folks like yourself, folks, you know, jet rails and, um, you know, making these things happen. Right. Cause I'm not a guy that makes these types of things happen. And, um, I come out of the experience and it's just awesome. And, um, you know, it's cool. And I know it takes a lot of effort to get these things set up and get people scheduled and you're like 30 or 40 of these in and, uh, it's cool. And I'm hoping a lot of that continues, you know, as we, as we start to come out of COVID at some, <laughs> at some point in the near future, but um, I know today we're just we're talking about a lot of themes, um, what I like to call the, you know, the 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 next the normal or the new normal is, is a way that I've heard it put, um, you know, a lot of the impact that we've seen in the industry. Um, you know, I Kenzium, um, our organization, we've been around for about 14 years and we focus on uh, two sides of the business, you know, from a digital standpoint, we have a commerce portfolio. We do a lot of work with Magento in that portfolio. We do big commerce as well, but our Magento relationship goes back about a um, little over 10 years now. So basically since the inception of Magento, deep relationship, um, there's been a, you know, you know, such an evolution there over the, over the you know past few years with Magento as well as commerce in general. And then we also work on the ERP side. So we also do, uh, we work with a mid-market ERP platform called Acumatica, and we compete a lot against NetSuite ERP. For those that are familiar, you know, you've got SAP and Oracle at the enterprise level, and then you've got this mid-market space, which we define as, you know, companies usually doing between about $5 million and somewhere on the order of 200 or so on the, on the upper end. Um, you know, that's how we define the mid-market. <clears throat> and we see both sides of it. So we see the order capture, um, which is the commerce platform. That's about half of our business. And we see all everything that happens after that order is passed back to your, you know, fulfillment mechanisms. Think inventory management, pricing management, warehouse management. Um, so I, we have a really cool, um, just by virtue of what we do, um, understanding of how the whole solution operates. 
And I'll use this as an opportunity to pass this over to um, my friend here, Shannon, who comes from Vertex. It, you know, these systems that we implement are, uh, they have tentacles everywhere. And we rely on strategic partners like JetRails and like Vertex um, in many of these situations. It's a big part of our strategy organizationally. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, that as well and, and how much how much more important that is than ever um, with, you know, you know, the fact that we're not going to trade shows. Um, the partner network and the strategic partnerships have flourished and added value in a way that I never even expected, um, you know, at the beginning of last year. <laughs> um, anyhow, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there and uh, I'll pass it over to, to Shannon. No, and, I, and thanks for that, Ted. I, I kind of echo that sentiment because we're we're all everybody on this call is kind of social animals, and we've been treading in the uh, Magento space for so long, and and we're used to seeing each other each other at shows several times a year, and having that rapport building and and front of mind awareness. So I think that the silver lining on the the COVID pandemic is that we had such strong. Uh, relationships already established in that this kind of face-to-face, although virtual, is still sort of natural and comfortable, and, and we're still uh, taking care of the partners that have made us. And uh, Vertex is just really blessed to have aligned with some of the, the, the most strategic but solid and reliable partners in our ecosystem. And, and Kenzium and Acumatica and JetRails are just absolutely cream of the crop. Um, so we're, we've had longstanding relationship with Kenzium, um, and, and, and I know that we've got a lot of mutual customers. Uh, so it's great to have this opportunity to, to be in this rarefied air um, with kind of thought leaders in our industry and people that are doing it right. Um, Vertex, from, from our perspective, obviously, we're a premier partner with Magento. We're an Adobe premier, premier partner. We're a, a vendor bundled extension, so we're baked right into the core of uh, Magento Commerce. Uh, so we've definitely got very, very tight relationships there. So um, your Magento work, obviously, we're very familiar with. And um, to, to be a the tax solution that's preferred by Adobe is uh, is really a great opportunity for us. Um, we've been doing this for over 40 years, not me personally. I came from an enterprise solutions partner on the Magento side uh, prior to coming over to Vertex. But in their 40 years, they've, they've amassed... Um, uh, tax content for uh, 130 plus countries, 19,000 global tax jurisdictions, um, 4,000 plus customers. Uh, we've got the bulk of the Fortune 500 that rely on our solutions. So um, we're we're uh, ideally suited to kind of look at B2C and B2B commerce and kind of analyze the trends and and where it's going and what we anticipate. So I've I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. So thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you to to both of you for being here. And I think I'm just going to point out that from my perspective, it's interesting that you've got sales tax management, you've got uh, system integrator, uh, you, you've got web hosting. And, you know, these are very different companies. These are very different corners of the e-commerce um, and the commerce ecosystem. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting that Vertex and Acumatica work together vis-a-vis, uh, -vis, you know, great uh, players in the market like Kenzium and uh, that I always like to say it takes a village. <laughs> it's not yeah. about 
what one of us is doing individually, because if the merchants don't have everything that they need to be successful, you get back into that, uh, you know, chain is only as strong as its weakest link mode, and they're not really thriving and successful and protected in the way that they should be uh, as a business, as a company that's reliant on a tech stack. Um, and so I think that that's hugely important. Shannon, I've got a question of something you, you, you threw a number out and I'm always trying to process those as I go through this. You said about, was it 19,000 tax jurisdictions in the world? That Globally, works but, with? yeah, but the, the interesting thing is that of that 19,000, 11,000 plus are in the United States alone. That's what I was afraid you were going to say because I knew yeah. that there was a, some high number out here that that's what makes it, particularly challenging to get sales tax right in, in the U.S. Well, one of the things that makes it challenging. Uh, <laughs> I expect me in a few minutes to pick your brain a little bit more there. But before I do, I always like to ask guests about uh, these tech names because there's often, and sometimes we can make them up, right? <laughs> there's often some kind of cool story behind it. Shannon, do you have a story to how Vertex got its name or uh, is that a bit of a mystery? Oh, you're going to get me fired. I have no idea why <laughs> the company was named Vertex. I'm sure there is a, a, a brilliant uh, origin story for the name of, of our company, but I, I don't know what it is. But now, as soon as I get off this call, I I'm bet gonna... it's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to have like a five minute episode where it's going to be like a retraction where you have to explain Vertex. To I'm going to call into your next podcast and say, hey, just a follow up. <laughs> yeah, um, it may be a first, but uh, I think we're we we've, we're now over sixty episodes, and it you know we're due for something like that. That would be pretty pretty fun. Um, Ted, I know you've been with Kenzium since pretty early on. Uh, do you happen to know how Kenzium got to the name that it did? Yeah, so it's funny. So uh, what Shannon just said, so that thought crossed my mind like you know midnight last night. And I actually shot an email to our CEO, right? I, I uh, and I asked that question, Shannon. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness! <laughs> like, um, and he, you know, not really. So the company's been around for about 14 and a half years, and um, it is kind of your, you know, it, our founder and CEO um, was, you know, young at the time, and you know, a technologist. Um, we were founded in in Hyderabad, India, which is where he's from, and you know, Roll, and he is schooled in the U S and spent a lot of time in the U S and saw the opportunity, you know, came out of kind of the tail end of that Y2K period where there was a lot of growth. We were a, um, I would, you know, I always characterize this as a software engineering company, a lot of chops, like we could go deep in, you know, java.net and the technology space. And we just early on fell into a couple of platforms and dumb luck, you know, whatever you, you know, um, and they're both platforms that have just flourished and, and grown. And Magento was one of those platforms. And Acumatica, uh, believe it or not, uh, was just kind of coming into inception as well. And we just started doing a lot of work behind the scenes. And um, that just grew, you know, because those platforms were young and fledgling at the time. And when you're in that, you know, software kind of um, phase, you know, I guess I'll call it, um, you have a problem. Like all of your effort has to go into product development and products and, fee, you know, <clears throat> your P space is highly competitive. Commerce space is highly competitive. Um, and you got to focus on that and you need implementations and you need referenceable implementations and clients to start to grow. And 
you know, you know, having a professional services organization is not a good idea. Different business model. Um, software companies are very different. I've learned that lesson the hard way too. And we just gained a lot of, you know, we did a lot of implementation behind the scenes. You know, we did a lot of implementation behind our competitors that are our competitors now, you know, as, as a, you know, on their paper, you know, it, to use the term in the industry, we were subcontractors basically. And about five years, <clears throat> organization has been around 14 and a half, about five years ago, we saw a lot of success on both sides. Um, Roel and the other uh, partners at uh, Kensium decided that it was time to go direct to direct to market in the U S and they started to build up a U.S. presence. And he still lived here and I was like number employee number three, I think, in the U.S. at the time. And this is going back almost five years now. And, you know, now out of we're about a 300 person organization, um, we've got, you know, well over 60 um, folks in the U.S. All of our PMO is U.S. based tech leadership, um, sales marketing, all that. And um, I was just, you know, that's when we really just started to grow our presence as Kensium. And we went through that whole, you know, process um, as an organization. And in that, somewhere in there, I did ask him kind of where, you know, the, the name or the moniker came from. And he said, there's not really a cool story. I said, is there anything memorable about it? You know, something cool, funny, maybe. Give me anything, yeah. And he said, give me, like, dude, give me something, right? Um, and um and he's like, not really, you know, he's like, it was, the focus was always on the business. He's an entrepreneur at heart. And um, it was really about, um, there was a lot of excitement just to grow the business. And they were looking for a name that sounded cool, really. Um, and then you do the URL checks, right? Like, mm -hmm. gosh, Damn, that's, that's getting not harder available. than ever, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, at Acuity Group, I was part of that. Like that, that name was the, the spelling of Acuity, uh, ACQ, which isn't how you spell Acuity. Acuity is a, was a function of the URL that was available or not available at the time. Um, that actually drove like the the final choice of that of the name of that organization, right? Which is not atypical because people were there was a land grab for urls at the time if you remember and people were stealing urls like coca-cola and then charging coke 100 grand you know for the for the rights to it and all, there were no laws at the time right so all that's kind of you know you can't make money doing that anymore but um kenzium was a name that was um just you know it had a ring to it it was different and um you know, and they, you know, they kind of just rallied around it. And, and, you know, that's, that's pretty much the story. The funny kind of side note is um, when I was talking to our, our Magento channel rep um, a while back, he said, yeah, we were having dinner, me, him and, and our CEO. And he said, I always thought it was, you know, like a mineral, like that I had never heard of, you know, like, like aluminum or radium or so, like, I don't even know. I'm not, a, yeah, you know, I'm not yeah. that's not my thing. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, it does kind of sound like that. But uh, anyhow, um, yeah, there's not not a not a whole lot uh, more to it um, than that. And then, the you know, the brand is like these brands like Google when, it, you know, like Google, like, you know, who, who, who thought that was a good idea. And here we are. And it's a household name. Right. Like, um, well, you know, so there the is a mathematical is really term Google that's spelled differently. And, you know, maybe a play on that and this guy, but who knows that, right? You know, there you go. Yeah, yeah. but it's like, you know, these, it's so funny because at the end of the day, it's just the, 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 the name kind of be, the company kind of makes the, you know, it, it's a function of the organization and kind of what you do with it. Right. And the, the name kind of, you know, 
it, it kind of grows with that or it doesn't. And um, anyhow, so yeah, I don't have, I don't have much more for you than that. No, that's, that's pretty cool. Well, it's interesting. I, I've seen a lot of that growth of Kenzie in my years in, in the industry. Um, and that's tremendous. I mean, being at 300 some odd employees now, I, I think the team has grown too. And I think it, it's interesting seeing Acumatica similarly grow in the same a similar time span that if I if I saw correctly, they're hosting their annual summit um, at the Win in Las Vegas because they outgrew their previous space. I actually thought it was yeah. pretty exciting they're going to see for that. It. Yeah, they're, they're, going they're scheduled for, for July, so I hope that <laughs> yeah, that people are traveling by then and, and things there. are good. I'm, I, I want to be optimistic yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, yeah, they're going for it. Um, yeah, but they've, they've outgrown the space. The growth has been phenomenal. I just, Shannon, I have to tell you, like when I was first introduced to Vertex four years ago, I'll never forget this. I think Scott, Scott was giving us a enablement session, right? And we didn't, I didn't really know you guys. And he talked about the 9,000 like different tax jurisdictions. And I never thought about it, right? Tax, you know, it's like, I know it's important and it has to happen. Um, I had no idea of the complexity of it. And, and like the, the, there's like a zillion jurisdictions and they're changing all the time. And he threw us like a Snickers bar and a Twix bar, like down on the table. Like we're in there with like, you know, five of our leadership team and he throws it down into the center of the conference table. And everyone's like, you know, what's up? Like there's a PowerPoint presentation up and he's like, what do you think the difference is between these two products? And we're like, Nothing like the candy bars, you know, like, what know. Are you one talking has nuts. About? It's a different tax rate. <laughs> so one has nuts and one has a cookie and a mm -hmm. Twix. It was a Twix and a Snickers. And he said, and he explained to us like all of the, like the way the rules are constructed and how complex it is, right? Like the cookie has to have a certain amount of flour in it to be considered a cookie. And this, the nut, and I'm like, and it's, I've never, ever forgotten that. Right. And he's like, that's just one example. I have a million other examples of the complexity of tax. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the moment when I was like, okay, so this is something we need to plug into because I never want to be involved in that business. Right. <laughs> and, and it's just super important to our clients. Right. Cause you know, yeah. um, you know, when you start to look at um, the impact um, as they continue to expand and get into these neck different tax nexus and, man, if you don't have that stuff nailed and it's just, it was the real eye-opening experience that we have partners that do that stuff. They know that stuff. They live and breathe that stuff. We could never in a million years, like do that or get into that. or would want to get into that. And um, that's true of all of our strategic partners. Like we, you mentioned, Robert, like, you know, we're three companies that on the surface, we're in totally different businesses, right? You know, like when would these ever cross? in the digital space is when these cross, right? And they all become important. And we've got, you know, a dozen other partners that kind of fall into that category too, because it's complicated, right? There's just, it touches everything. These systems, these systems are mission critical and they touch absolutely everything, every aspect of your business, like every nuance. And anyhow, the candy bar example is just something that it was one of those moments where I'm like, I really like this guy. You know, I think this is going to be a good relationship. That was a good presentation. And it's funny because I've been to, I've been in a million presentations and I could I couldn't even tell you what they were about. But I, you always remember how you feel coming out of a presentation. Like I remember that like almost five years later. And it's crazy. And it's always made me think when I go into any presentation setting is, 
that's what people remember. They, they felt good about it. They thought, wow, that sounded credible or that was interesting. Rarely will they remember the content, right? Um, but, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those, it's just, a, it's a crazy example of how all of these components have to come to bear for our clients to have a fully functioning solution, right? And, um, you know, Jet Rails falls in that category too. Um, or it doesn't work. Like if none of these components work, none of it works. And it's just, man, like uh, it's just, it's a crazy, crazy um, ecosystem that we, that we live in. And I never would have thought, you know, I am so grateful we had these partnerships in place prior um, because who knows what would have happened. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's easy to fall back on this and get on a call like this because we're all friends. I mean, we all see each other and that's true of all of our partners. And if we didn't have that basis and that baseline, I don't even know, you know, how do you establish a partnership on Zoom? You know, I, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm still out daunting. there doing it, but yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. challenging. But there are things that happen behind the scenes that not everyone sees. Like if we have between the three of us, a customer that's having a problem, rather than leave the, you know, leave the customer holding the bag, like, oh, I don't, I don't think it's our problem, right? You know, that you go figure it out. We actually get on the line and we we look at resolving and we look at what could we do better next time. And, you know, sometimes uh, there are challenges there, but we all genuinely, you know, we know we're going to be in the industry a long time. We've <laughs> most of us, you know, we've moved around a few times by now through the years as things have evolved and, and the industry's evolved. And we genuinely care about merchants and businesses and seeing uh, growth and it, it, I think that that's where a lot of these relationships really stand up. It's people that really want to have an impact that care about the end result. It's a people business. It's so funny to think of tech as a people business, mm -hmm. but in order to make things really work as seamlessly as they do, uh, you know, on the it, customer facing, right? You know, that there sometimes has to be a lot of work that's happening behind the scenes to get everything working like a well-oiled machine. And Shannon, I'm gonna dive in a little bit with sales tax because Ted got to, and I'm a little <laughs> jealous because I wanna make sure that we do all the sales tax conversation here between Ted and I, and we're gonna leave you out here. But you know, I felt the same way learning about sales tax jurisdictions, which is such a strange thing to, to hit on that mentally understanding that in New York, if you buy, uh, clothing, you know, shoes, if you're spending over or under $200, the sales tax is different. Uh, if you're in a particular jurisdiction, you could be in the same, same state, same city, same county, and two sides of the street, it's a, a different, uh, different tax rate in the same zip code, because there's some watershed district or something else impacting one and not the other. And that to try to get this right, you need to really be charging sales tax, you know, by this granular level, you know, looking at addresses and things uh, that and that it's always changing and that the laws are, are changing. What's so thinking more about 2021 and what's going on, what is uh, challenging these days? Because I imagine that there are just so many businesses that have been diving in into e-commerce on a higher level and that that's got to be causing some some problems from that perspective. You know, I'm going to go back and give Scott Coleman and Aaron Kissling a great big hug because to have our partners come on to a forum like this and be able to be so eloquent about tax 
and what they've heard and what they understand. And that Scott's presentation resonated with that Twix bar and the Snickers comparison. He's he's gonna be thrilled. And and it, it, those it, guys were both awesome, by the way. Like it, they it, were it's fascinating and it's very nuanced. And the funny thing is now that we're post COVID, they're probably going to start taxing the left Twix more than the right Twix. <laughs> and you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. The, the, the tax, you heard it first here. <laughs> yeah. The U.S. tax code right now is over 70,000 pages. And so to have people out there who are trying to manage this manually, it, it's going to be very, very scary in the wake of COVID. Um, and it, it gets down to things that are that people don't think about every day. Like I went and got a bagel at uh, my Dunkin' Donuts right around the corner because I'm addicted to Dunkin' and everybody knows it. Um, but uh, if I they package the bagel and they don't cut it and they don't toast it, it's taxed one way, but if they cut it open, toast it, and put cream cheese on it, then it's taxed a different way. Um, and these kind of nuances are really important in the wake of COVID because a lot of restaurants that used to have dine-in and sit down at the bar are now using delivery services, third-party delivery services that they've never used before. And who's responsible for the tax there? And how is that food taxed now that you're eating it in your home versus eating it in the restaurant? Um, it's things like that. And, and people are relying on marketplaces more than they ever did before. They're selling products and solutions that they never did before. Like they pivoted to create hand sanitizer and masks in the wake of COVID instead of the normal product offering that, that they had in place. All of those things are, are taxed differently. So if, and, and just expanding into global jurisdictions or cross-border selling or, or even achieving nexus in a state where you hadn't normally before is going to create tax and compliance implications that I'm, I'm absolutely confident that they haven't comprehended. So relying on this partnership network that Ted was talking about and, and Robert, uh, you had echoed is 100% true. We are partnered with solutions like Acumatica and Kinsium because they're best in breed ERPs and, and solution providers. We don't want to write the code for connectors. Ted and Kenzium, y'all connected us to Acumatica. You connected Magento to Acumatica. Um, and, and so, you know, you've got SAPs and Oracles that are great ERPs and they're doing what they, they're supposed to be doing. And, and they're, but they shouldn't have to be responsible for being great at tax. You need a partner who's great at tax. And so being able to have Robert here from a hosting perspective who, who can host a solution and, and Ted, your team can can connect a solution. Um, it's it's just a great family to be in. Very, very fortunate. Yeah, I, I um Scott and Aaron, um, I love those guys. Shout out yeah, to those too. guys. So if they're listening to this, um, but uh, you just you hit on something so profound, um, Shannon, when you were just talking, you know, that I that I've realized Look, we're talking about like what, you know, this last year that we've been a part of. And if you kind of tease out or separate out, there's been a lot of heartache. There's been a lot of challenges. It's been a very difficult time for a lot of people and organizations. And I don't want to dismiss that. Right. It's fun to talk about you know, the the proliferation of commerce and the acceleration of commerce. <clears throat> um, I don't forget that, um, you know, there's a lot of, there, there's many other things and God forbid if you lost someone in the process, right? Yeah. Um, so there's all of that aspect and we've all lived through that. And like me, you guys, you know, I talked to a lot of people in a lot of places and a lot of countries and I've, th this thing is everywhere, you know, and I don't mean, you know, people turn on CNN and see that. Like I talk to people living it, 
like day in and day out. And it's, it's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, overwhelming, you know, how pervasive this, 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 uh, pandemic has been and, and how it's just it impacted everybody. I don't care what business you're in, but <clears throat> we have seen some trends coming out of it, right. That, um, are going to persist. And one of the biggest ones is the proliferation of commerce, the acceleration of commerce. And, you know, it first kind of came to my attention. I remember back in April and I was listening to, uh, uh, Seth, um, Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft. Oh, Nadella, and, yeah. 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 And he, and he had said, um, uh, this is probably April timeframe. Um, and he said something like this, this pandemic, and this was only a couple of months in has accelerated our business by two years. Like it's accelerated, like every aspect of our business, the way we sell, the way we provide support, the way, um, it was kind of, it was really novel to me at the time. Like I didn't, I, you know, looking back, I didn't know I'd be working at home for a year and, and everything else that's happened, but that was pretty profound when I look back on it, like he was right. And I, at the time I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We could be out of this thing in the next week or the next two weeks. Um, you know, it sounds pretty dramatic what he's saying. And maybe it's just Microsoft. They're huge and they see, you know, they're global and they're kind of seeing all the different sides of this. And it turns out, and then I was listening to um, a partner um, t- uh, talk with big commerce, like their uh, town hall, the town halls that they hold, where Brent Bellman, the CEO, comes in and talks about, you know, the state of the state, basically. And it's a really kind of cool um, town hall format. And he said the same thing. You know, we've accelerated commerce by two years. Like we're, you know, it was always accelerating, uh, but we've, and, and now he'd probably tell you it was five years or six years. And um, they're, they're absolutely right. Like we've seen this, you know, there, there's so many aspects to this. And the first, the first thing that had to happen is people had to get digital, right. They had to figure out how to get people to work from home. Like there was just this basic fundamental, um, you know, you know, thing that had to be addressed. And that's how do we get people to work from home in, in a, in a secure way. And depending on who you are as a business, that can be pretty challenging or super challenging. Right. And, um, and it came on so darn fast, right? Like it just all happened within about a six week period. But we've, I absolutely agree. I think we've, uh, commerce has always been the greatest growth, like secular growth story of the 20th century. Like since 2000, the beginning, the last 20 years, nothing has been as exciting like Amazon. You know, you know, if you had $5 in Amazon stock back in 2001, you'd be like a billionaire now, right? Like it's just been this incredible, incredible ride. Like we've never seen anything like it. And, um, you know, it's, it, and, but so it's always been like this awesome growth story and I've always loved it. That's what I've always loved about, um, the business that we're in and, you know, it, but we have definitely seen an acceleration in digitization and that goes for the ERP side operationally. And that, you know, if you didn't, you know, like this is the end of on-premise software, um, honest to God, like this is the death nail because cloud computing is, is if you're not, if you weren't doing it before, you are hundred percent evaluating it um, or you're doing it now and you fit, or you figured out how to do it. And we've seen that with companies like Zoom and, you know, uh, you know, just, just this massive acceleration in cloud computing and commerce goes right along with that. And the things that are kind of get lost in that mix um, are, is everything else that you get when you get an acceleration in commerce. Tax is one example of that, right? Like the things that you're not thinking, like it's it's great that we're seeing this acceleration in commerce, but 
And our customers are trying to figure out how do I get a piece of that? Like we have distributor manufacturers that 10% of their business is online and that part of their business did phenomenally well, but they want to get more of their business online. And the problem is it's not as simple as um, acceleration of commerce is commerce has accelerated so has online fraud, like dramatically. Like if you think about the opportunity for fraud, it's increased as you know along the same lines well, as the acceleration. And there are things that are happening in the midst of that that I think that's a lot of the part of the challenge as a merchant that you're busy, you know, dealing with merchandising and marketing and customer service and support and fulfillment. And yeah. you, are you really thinking about, oh, uh, they put massive. chips in yeah. credit cards and now, you know, if you're going to try to use a stolen credit card, replicating that chip, yeah. that's not how you're going to do it. You're going to throw it online. The things you're thinking about are like what, what you're talking, like you, you're thinking about how do I get, how do I accelerate this market, merchandising, you know, advertising, social media. Yeah. Those things are kind of the obvious and those things aren't easy. That's not easy either, by the way. That's no, moving targets. You know, we think we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter and, you know, we think social media is easy. We think that, you know, I order something on Amazon and it shows up at my door in six hours, like that's easy. This stuff is like... You should be amazed when when you order something on Amazon and it shows up on your doorstep the next day. Like you should be absolutely in awe of that because 10 years ago, 15, like that was that like it is just incredible that 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 can happen. And, and you know, we're in this age where that is a reality and we're thick talking about drones and like all these other um, and all these other things. But there's there's a thousand for everything you're thinking about, like the merchandising and how do we get more product and you're worried about your supply chain and your distribution network, because those are the obvious things that are going to have to support these online sales. What about tax? What about fraud? What about what about the, the, the thousands of other things that come into play that we've been talking about? What about those things? Well, you know, you know like, in web you hosting, just, we saw people jumping just over thinking because, about it. yeah, they. You know, they outside of the normal issues that they that merchants don't always give enough attention, like security and, uh, you know, and speed and other things. Scalability became an issue that traffic went up and seems easy, right? Like it that seems was gonna easy. Accommodate. Yeah, it just you seems know. so like we're so used to this world where, um, you know, oh, scale, scale. like we had supply chains that shut down. We had customers that could not get product. Like we had to get 200 laptops and get our folks, our folks enabled. And, you know, we're still waiting on orders for, for iPhones. We're still waiting on orders for um, machines. Like we, honest to God, we are still waiting for some of that because the supply chains were so decimated and, you know, who knew how fragile, you know, that these, this, these systems that are in place are like, I don't, I've never been in a situation where I've ever questioned that when I order you know, an iPad or an iPod, you know, that it shows up at my door the next day, or I can go down to the Apple store and I can just pick one up. Like whenever have I thought, you know, if I want to buy an iPhone, it's always, and man, you know, that's not the case. Like these, these aren't limitless systems that we're, that we're working with. Well, and, and then, yeah, the, it, you know, I'm going to add to that complexity. It's that, so a lot of businesses had to move fast and they needed to, it was survival mode. Um, and in some cases still is. Um, and, you know, not always for the worse. Sometimes they saw major increases in business, and that's a good problem to have in a lot of ways as a merchant and, and what have you. But uh, now they were dealing with store pickup. Now they had employees uh, that they started because everybody's working from home 
anyway that they started hiring people remotely in different jurisdictions and probably weren't thinking much about tax nexus. And, you know, and so you start to Guarantee get these kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, uh, but but you, you're hitting on a lot of the operational aspects that, um, you know, in, in the traditional sense, our customers decide they want to go online, they come to us and we solution it out and, and they go online, right? And it's just, you know, that's a huge project and a lot of effort has to go into that and investment. But, you know, who would have thought that you have to deal with, like you're talking about, like your distribution network and your suppliers and in-store pickup? Oh, but we'll just use inventory that we have in store. And, oh, wait, we can't go into the store. Wait, we can't have people. Wait, there's all kinds of ramifications to our employees if we do that. So how are we going to source this stuff? All our all our stuff is sitting in stores, right? Um, our warehouses are, are shut, you know, like our third-party logistics providers, they can't get the product that we can't get either, right? We can't go to another country and get it. We can't, this is everywhere. Um, and, and, you know, so there's there's that and, aspect. And this there's pressure because consumer expectations are changing. Uh, and they're super high. The Thanks, Personal, Amazon. I like want to start. Being, yeah, <laughs> I we are so to... spoiled right now. God, there are people who throw fits on airplanes because the Wi-Fi doesn't work. And you're talking about <laughs> a metal tube that's, you know, miles above the earth. You know, we're we're a society that has to have it now. We have to have exactly what we want. And and I think Amazon has completely contributed to that, much to their benefit. You know, I'm I'm a prime member and always will be. But you know. <laughs> You see kind of ship again come out of the, the COVID holiday uh, kind of nexus together of where even Amazon wasn't able to hit their their prime delivery targets. And, you know, in a microcosm like Texas right now where, where I live, you know, we've got the snow that shut everything down. And I was trying to explain to a six-year-old what happens to a supply chain when the truck can't get in to Walmart to restock yeah. the shelves don't get restocked and everybody's I'm guilty of that too. You walk into Walmart and it's like, why are all the shelves empty? It was like, they it's scary. Like it's downright scary. Like I never thought I was, um, you know, prone to be like, you hear the stories like product supply chains. I'm like, come on, you know, like, you know, I'll, I'll pay more for it, you know, like I'll, whatever, I'll pay the $20 for the toilet paper. And, and it's like, you can't get it. Like, I'm like talking to the CVS guy, like behind the counter, like, Hey, could you hold a, like a, you know, four pack for me? <laughs> like I'm a good customer, <laughs> but it all, it's almost like you're getting back into this mentality, this hoarding mentality, like this whole, like, it was crazy. Like you're almost in this mentality. Like there's a real fear. Like I felt that, like, I'm like, holy moly, like, should I be stocking up right now? Like my wife told me that two weeks before I'm like, Oh, I'm like, come on. And, and I'm giving her, you know, I'm like, what do you want a bunker? You know, should we do that whole thing and arm up? And, and, and then two weeks later, I didn't ever say anything. Cause I'm too proud, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, this is some, this is scary stuff. Like this is, this is like really scary stuff. And I, I felt that for the, probably the first time ever in my life. And it just goes to show you. And, and like you're talking, Robert, there's concentric circles, right? You know, there's, there's the distribution of your product and where you're going to get it from and source it. But then there's like tax has to happen. Shipping has to happen. Fraud protection has to happen. Like all these things have to happen and they're all constraints. And um, that's where these, the, the, you know, this, this, this system that we kind of have these partnerships that we have, that's where I say they're just they're just so incredibly important. And, you know, hopefully this has opened our customers eyes up to how complex, you know, some of this 
you know, some of this stuff is and can be and how important it is to have reliable partners that you can count on, right? Like, it's not a question of what's cheaper. It's like, who can I count on? Like, I, I'm going, you know, I, who's the, who can I count on? Like, I, this isn't the time that I want to mess around with saving a few dollars. This is the time where I want dependable partners and I'll pay for it. And that's right. Um, no, I, I couldn't yeah. agree more that it, a lot of the challenge as a merchant, what I hear consistently, it's not that people can't get over that something went wrong. There's a lot of moving parts. And if they've been in the industry for any amount of time, they understand that this API can have an issue or that, you know, that system can go down, you know, AWS goes down, Cloudflare goes down. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, the bigger you build it, the more redundant, there's, al there's always going to be some tolerance there uh, for something, at least, maybe not in the moment, but they'll come down from that upset uh, as they're getting yelled at by their customers. Yeah, maybe not in and, the moment. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's okay. But I think the, maturity the, the, talking there. the secret is when people come together and they say, look, here's the root cause analysis. Here's what actually happened. Here's how we're going to work together and make sure it doesn't happen again. Everybody's good. Uh, we find that people... You know, come to some people come to JetRails and save money. Some people come to us because they're not happy with the support where they are. And you know, we we brand ourselves as mission critical web hosting because we work for e-commerce merchants who anything that's going wrong with their site is cutting into their bottom line. This is their business. It's not an afterthought. They need to know that they can reach us by phone, by email, whatever it is, twenty four seven, and you know, and in very, very quickly get resolution. And that's what we do differently, that we provide flexibility. And I think that that's um, often what's, you know, that when you first get into the business, you often look at, um, at, at a, I guess, in a different way, a different way of calculating cost of ownership um, that, you know, you might look at the short term, you know, I find the same that I, I love SaaS. Uh, you know, software as a service and, you know, a lot of these natively cloud solutions. But if you have a complex store and you're going to start paying a lot of third-party apps and you're going to start scaling and, and seeing those costs go up and you're going to have a lot of conflicts and challenges and limitations because of it. And you start looking at opportunity costs and you start looking at support costs for trying to engineer your way out of a box because you're, you're boxed in. Uh, and so it really does depend that there are users that are absolutely going to thrive um, with a more defined solution. There are users that are, are absolutely going to thrive in open source. And in some cases, it even comes down to things like data privacy, that if you're using 30 apps, do you know what, you know, what those companies are doing with your data and what's, what's actually happening behind the scenes? You know, how much trust do you have to have and how, how much risk are you taking that a lot of these things that there's... As a merchant, you just want to figure out selling it's so, something. It's so, it's so true. Like, I, I love that you said that because there's this propensity. Um, I saw this really interesting study by Deloitte, came out a couple of years ago on the ERP side, and they listed the top 10 things that buyers are thinking about in priority, what's important to them the first time. They, they do first time ERP, <clears throat> excuse me, and then they do second time. Second time buyers, first time buyers, second time buyers. First time buyers cost of the software is number one. And then it, the list just goes, the cost of the implementation is number two. You know, feature and functionality is probably number three. Partner, partner's capability to implement 
are like nine and 10. And I kid you not, like I had, I took a snapshot of this because I show it to our customers sometimes. Second time, and they looked at two, 2,500 um, clients that had been through, you know, had been through both. Second time buyers, top of the list, like one and two is, is the partner's capability, the reliability of the platform, the ability to implement, the ability to work through issues. And, and cost doesn't go to the bottom, but it's like number nine. And I'm not, I, I swear, I'm not kidding. It is like number, and, and you look at that as a seasoned person in this industry or a seasoned merchant, and you totally get it. Like it rings so true because you get what you pay for. And it's, and it's really hard with newer clients that are just, they just haven't been in the space, distributor manufacturers, right? B2B retails, direct to consumers, relatively new because they always think you're trying to pull one over on them. Right. Like they, like I feel like a used car salesman and you, I just have to, I just have to like dial it back. Right. Cause it just, it comes across as yeah, 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 yeah. But this one's so much cheaper that even if it fails, you know, I can still go in a different direction. Yeah. And I've had clients tell me that. And before a board, um, this was wall clippers. I said, it's not as easy as you think. Like I know <clears throat> you're putting us up against a low, a, a, a provider that's kind of, they're either lowballing it, no disrespect. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to put a number on paper and you can go down that path and you're probably thinking that's oh, a third of the cost. Even if they completely get it wrong, it's still going to be cheaper. Right. I have, you know, I've the got problem three is times when the money to pay when they get it so wrong because it's one of their first implementations. <laughs> they don't follow not any easy, proper, you know? Best practice like, and like you have divorce. to throw it out. And then they're, it's they're, like, so it was a third of the money, but they're out that money. <laughs> it's gone. But it's, it gets, it's way worse than that. Like it's like a messy, messy divorce. And I told them what, what you said, Robert, I said, best case, you can I unwind it. And it's just cost you the cost of that implementation and the time. Worst case, you're out of business. And I, I, and it's, I know that sounds dramatic, but we have customers that they have literally been on the verge of going out of business because it was a bad implementation and a failed implementation. And, you know, risk isn't real until it hits you in the face. Like I'm a slow learner, right? Like I have to learn everything the hard way. And when risk becomes real, when you can't get the site up and you are just losing business and orders and customer and customers and um, they're telling other customers that your site sucks and you can't get product out the door and you're unreliable. And that's going out on all the social media channels. And like, if it takes you three months to vicious. dig out from it or how, whatever like time months, period you, to get what you, you actually can. need, that's yeah. a painful time period. Yeah. If you can't think about all the equity, customer equity that you're just throwing out, like you, like you, you cannot always recover from that situation. And yeah. it's just really hard to tell someone who's just immature from a buying perspective, um, that this is the truth. Like, like tax, you get hit with a lawsuit and you're like, how come nobody told me, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, like, it's like ADA yeah. And, and yeah. you know, states have money to chase you with. It's like the oh, IRS. You endless, know, endless amounts. They print it, right? Yeah. You know, that's a... And that's a whole nother discussion. I but, think but, we've um, I think we've all probably been in business long enough to have run into that person who implemented uh, cheaply the first time. And when they get to you all the time, and they get and they need to be rescued, it is like dealing with an abused spouse. It's yeah. like dealing with someone who's coming out of a bad relationship, and you've got all these pitfalls and trust issues. And oh. they, they, <laughs> yeah, you, at that point, they want things in a contract that you can't reasonably yeah. give them. 
Yeah, they uh, swing like the other they direction, want guaranteed right? they SEO want rankings their, and things that, yeah. you know. It's so I have, we have eight of these rescues that we're de- deploying right now. And Shannon, in every case, like they have swung, the pendulum has swung so far in the other direction. And it's crazy because they want like a fixed bid for the next five years, right? <laughs> like, and you're, like, you're a therapist. You are literally yeah. trying to detonate these landmines that have been left by someone who's not you. They, they don't have your reputation. They don't have your track record. They come to you and they start to try to harness you. And I don't blame them. They're shell shocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, people literally lose companies. They lose jobs. People have had, there are professional ramifications for doing this wrong the first time. And, and if they're given the opportunity to rescue it, they get very passionately defensive about what that rescue is going to look like. And somebody who tries to initiate that much control over standards and processes that your company has, and they're your success metrics, right? This is how we do it right. This is how we build it right. And we can't have some Somebody come in and take that level of control over a, uh, a development because it's not going to be what it is that you want in the end. You're going to break our business practices and our models, and we're not going to give you a solution that's typically ours and is typically successful. And just being in this we know. business, yeah, trust it, us, like we know, yeah, exactly. Um, but but you know, it's, you you hit on um, it, it, like it, it's like trust the process, but it is really challenging. Um, unless they've had that experience, you know, coming out of that experience is also one of our, they're also our best customers because as we do build trust and credibility, um, you know, it's a daunting task. It's funny. I asked they've been teams, burned and they're not, once they've found <clears throat> they've been, a happy place. Yeah. That, that those have been burned, but, but jobs are on the line. Like Shane's yeah. not like, I asked my team, like, what do you think is most important to this client? And they'll say integration to the ERP system, or um, I'm like, you know, and, and there's all kinds of answers. I'm like, Here's what's really important to the person we're talking to. They don't want to get fired. Okay. They don't want <laughs> to make another bad decision. I, I swear to God, like that is the most like, and that's where you just start the conversation with, you're not going to go, you know, you're going to be safe. You're going to be safe. Like you, this might not do everything you want out of the gates. It's not, your site's not going down. You know, you're not going to be at risk from a fraud standpoint, from a tax standpoint. If you're working with this team, we'll figure it out. Like to what you said, Robert, like anyone, any part, anyone that comes in and says, we're not going to have any issues. And, you know, that's why you want to go with us. Just stop talking to that guy. Right. Someone that comes in and says, we are going, we are definitely going to have issues. You're but we're going to work. Yeah. We're going to work. <laughs> we're writing code. We're going to be finding bugs five years from now. Like anyone like, but we will be here to work through, like to work through it with you. Like, there's no question that we're going to have issues and some of them are going to be significant, but we have the experience to deal with that. You, right? you write and, war and peace, you know, write all that code and try not to uh, <laughs> to have a missing punctuation mark somewhere, something happening that has a real implication. It, it's tough. Yeah. I, in, in my decade in the agency space, uh, there was a recurring theme that those that didn't take the proposal that I put in front of them over price, they would come back. And there were two problems that they had at that point. Um, After we, let's say, you know, did some code analysis and figured out that it would cost more to try to salvage what they had, which was a recurring theme. It was number one. Now, the money that they'd spent was out of pocket. And so they were looking for ways to get it cheaper than our initial proposal because they had already spent money um, as if 
I had a magic solve for that, um, which I, I mean, I can respect being the position that they were in. It, it is what it is. They were there and, you know, and it, uh, it's not that they can't ask it. Right. But uh, there's no magic solve for it. But two was time, because at that point they were so much farther behind in their business plans. And let's say that they were getting closer to uh, the holiday shopping season, Black Friday, Cyber Monday or to some other uh, important time for them or, or something else Store falling opening, apart. Right? Yeah. 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 And, and so now they were in a rush street. and they had less yeah. money on hand. Um, and that, that's the sort of thing, but we deal and with it, it and, and they can't get it wrong again too. Right. Yeah. So they can't afford to the, you know, two strikes and you're out in that's this. That's a fun place to be, right? No, uh, you know, for us, we see it often with security that folks go for, uh, their own cloud servers at AWS or wherever, instead of having it go through a team like us, or they go, uh, you know, save through, some money. Yeah, unmanaged <laughs> or, or poorly or minimally managed hosting. I don't want to go particularly negative there, but uh, and they don't have as e-commerce merchants properly managed web application firewalling and intrusion detection systems and malware scanners and and so on and so forth. It, it's not just having an SSL. <laughs> yeah. And so they think, oh, I've got a PCI compliant uh, payment gateway and that's going to cover me. And well, no, because when the site's hacked before that point and they replace that, you know, and, and it's just a jumping off point to some some other junk or whatever other it's it's having that mindset of first, what do I really need to thrive and to sleep well at night? And what does that cost? And, you know, at that point, they could decide, do they want to do that themselves and get, you know, their own vendors for this and that and the other thing? Do they want to go through more of a, a managed service? Like a jet rails? And I, I think the same here that, you know, people can go and get random developers to build this and do that and not really have more oh, a guy i hear vision. that oh we've got a guy it's like a running joke internally i'm like oh they got a guy so yeah, you know. there's no documentation for that guy there's no no okay he's and so anybody else takes a look <laughs> and it's all spaghetti so code and it's a mess and um so yeah. You know, they never I'm know actually, since we it's keep so going rare. down memory lane, I'm yeah. going to ask, how did you two actually get into e-commerce and, and ERP? Was there some kind of an interesting, because I'm just enamored by the conversation today. Well, I'll, I can I can start. I, I had my own consulting company and my wife was going to divorce me if I didn't get off the road. Um, I was literally traveling. <laughs> that story too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I had my own company and um, I had been in hospitality as a general manager and director of sales and marketing for hotels for 15 years. And then I decided that I knew everything about hotels. So I was going to teach people how to do hotels. And I went out and did that for a couple of years. And then we had three kids and my wife works a full-time job. So I started looking for something that I could apply my talents to locally. And uh, I came up uh, uh, upon a company here within the Dallas-Fort Worth area that was looking for a director of sales and marketing for an enterprise uh, partner with um, Magento. And I didn't know anything about Magento. And I knew e-commerce just from having dealt with our websites, working in hotels, and what I would recommend people do with SEO and things like that strategy for their, for their sites and their booking engines. 
Um, so I had a crash course in Magento and e-commerce and, um, I did that for a couple of years and, and I saw everything from, from the, the battered wives syndrome all the way up to, you know, the second worst thing, which is, is B2B, uh, uh, companies that have been doing it, you know, the same way for hundreds of years. And this is how my grandpa did it. And we've got a catalog and you call our regional guy and he'll give you a quote and you'll haggle over it. And the, the PO broke that. I mean, cause nobody's going to a showroom. No one's going to a merchandise mart. No one's going to a trade show uh, by and large, right? You know, not, you the, not, not nearly the normal numbers. And so those that were still coasting by sending sales reps to go for in-person visits and sit down with a catalog and, and, you know, write a paper, that's just, you know, I, I can't think of many industries where any of that's happening. So all those B2B stragglers, uh, it goes back to what Ted was, it goes back to what Ted was saying about and, and and I had said we're spoiled. Anybody who's dealt with an e-commerce scenario and then they have to go to work and they do their uh, B2B ordering in the in the old traditional fashion that grandpa did it. It's it's torturous. And so B2B companies and manufacturers and distributors have now come around to say, OK, we have to remove the friction. We have to remove the friction. We need to make this easy. We need to be able to do POs and quotes and uh, duplicate orders and file exemption certificates and all of this stuff. It needs to be done digitally and it needs to be more of an automated uh, process where, uh, you know, we take out the middleman. We're dealing directly with our product. We're dealing directly with our catalog. We can do it quickly. Um, we can have, minimize the staff that's required to have to complete these activities. And so, you know, they, they don't know what they don't know. And to have that conversation and introduce them to technologies and establish credibility and have them feel more comfortable with things being automated, like orders, like POs, like tax, um, you know, kind of taking that tax officer out of the equation who's going through the tax tables and figuring out where they have nexus and trying to be compliant in all of these jurisdictions, you know, to be able to leverage that type of technology in their business scenario, B2B is going to eclipse B2C by light years, light years in the coming decade. They're going to be the biggest growth factor in e-commerce. And, and it's really excited to see these industries come around. And it is the silver lining, having it accelerated by COVID, to have more and more of them jumping on board out of necessity and survival than just, um, you know, okay, we, we kind of need to come around to to uh, the future, you know what I mean. Well, and I think come, around, come around's an interesting euphemism. So I've so you, everything you said, like spot on. You know, B two B is going to be five, probably much greater than that. You know what we saw on the B two C side. <clears throat> there was a term a, a few years ago called the consumerization of B two B, and what that meant was, you know, you've got people in B two B businesses that shop online. You know, they they have a, they understand the Amazon experience, and they're starting to wonder why we're not doing that with our customers who happen to be other businesses, but why are we using the green screen? You know, why do we have to send somebody over there? Why, you know, you know, why can't we just, you know, kind of let them order the way that why order from Amazon? Why can't we put our catalog online or our catalogs? Right. Um, but there's real change is hard and there's just real logistical issues with, you know, getting 20,000 catalogs for all your suppliers online, digitized up to date, um, on an ongoing quarterly basis, enriched, you know, making sure it's consistent. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a massive. And these businesses and all kinds of things. And that's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, cra it's crazy. And, and we talk, we're talking about trends here and that's always been a trend, right? That's been an ongoing trend, but now they're in a position where 
they can't wait five years to do it, right? They, you can't take the time. Um, and there's a huge amount of education that goes into these discussions because it's just so new to them. Distributors, you know, our, our classic story is a distributor who's doing $100 million and they, they manufacture um, O-rings, you know, or they distribute and, and they, they do a healthy business and they've been around for 50 years and they're like, why do I have to, you know, the guy whose name is on the door is the guy writing the check for the software. And he's like, we build our stuff internally. You know, it's just not, tell me again why we have to do this commerce thing, you know, like whippersnapper. <laughs> like, why is it so, like, I build a hundred million dollar business. What have you done? You know, and they're just, all of a sudden they're in this situation that nobody anticipated where it's become imperative. Like you can, like you said, Robert, like you can't send your sales guys out. You can't operate the way that you've been operating and in there there's a lot of opportunity but it's scary like there's just well, you know there's and if so you're a much distributor and you don't have a better direct to to consumer you're terrified of yeah. distribution channels disintermediating disintermediating your existing distribution channels is your biggest concern like that's like they're that is always what they're terrified of doing so direct to consumer is pretty daunting you know because of that um you know, but but this is like this is the acceleration that we're seeing, and this is where they just need so much help because everything else we've talked about, like you're just scratching. If they're worried about if I go direct to consumers, Grange are going to be mad at me, right? Like, are they going to come? That's thirty percent of my business. Are they, are they even set up to do it because they're not used to selling ones and twos of items? And, yeah. you know, and then it comes down to but, you know, the the little you know hardware store around the corner doesn't isn't prepared for the bigger investment into e-commerce. They've got a local following, um, yeah. you know, getting it right for them might be more difficult. And sometimes it's meeting in, in the middle. It's, you know, can yeah. the distributor make the sale and. Can, can the local store fulfill it perhaps, or, you know, cause yeah. that's a better model. And I think this but is you and I it, can talk about these models. They don't think of it like, like they don't understand that there's other options. Yeah. And that's the scary part, like process technology and organization, right? The roles, the people, um, those are the three pillars of, you know, that's how businesses do business and everything's process driven. You know, I'm in technology, technology is enable, an enabler. You know, if you just automate a, ridiculous, you know, process, you're just automating a problem. Like that's not the answer. You need to go back. I had, you know, I came from process re-engineering and there's where I'm dating myself again, Robert, because that term, some people will recognize it, some won't, but the whole idea was get your processes straight first. You look at the weight states, look at where you're losing time and money. And, um, and then, then, then people and technology, um, you know, people support the process, the rules that they play within the process, and then technology automates the process. And those are the three components. And, and the, you're just talking the tip of the iceberg. Like the, 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 to say, to make the statement, I'm thinking about going direct to consumer, right? A very simple, high level statement has ramifications that are so deep and broad that, you know, it's like you 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 don't you have no idea what you're even getting yourself into. Like there's so many things that have to be considered. Um, everything that we've talked about today. So think about how daunting that is. Oh, and if you don't do this, you're going to be out of business in two years, well, right? But, and your wife's not going to be happy. There's, <laughs> there's another <laughs> layer of complexity to B two B though, and and you know going back to processes and 
getting that right, that a lot of the B2B organizations that, that I had helped to bring in, into e-com, uh, that the first challenge was that they had processes that made sense or maybe didn't, but um, that they had developed and were really, really steadfast to from their antiquated, from, from their legacy sales channels. And they it's really- just how they do things, right? Yeah. Just how, that's just how they do so things. I don't, I don't think they ever sat down and mapped it out, discount, right? discount, right? You know, every, every customer yeah. pays a different price for that same item. Um, you know, and that's the tip of the iceberg that they need different people to log in to request the item versus approve the purchase. Um, things that when they first probably looked at e-commerce a few years ago, uh, you know, maybe 10 years ago, that would have been more difficult to deal with. I remember beer distribution and uh, my head be just, you know, spinning yeah. in circles when they explained to me that, well, Robert, we have to charge a pallet deposit and a keg deposit for every keg. And I'm like, Okay. And, yeah, and that's and just step we, one. There's yeah, a we have to sell ones. it by the <laughs> yeah. truckload and they can't fit more than can fit in the tractor trailer um, and this and that. And they're going to charge a certain delivery, whether it's a half trailer or full trailer. And, okay, sure. we can get some you of that. Get a pen, Robert, are you getting this? Are you getting yeah. this down? Yeah. And then I'm like, and then they 10 start hours to go. <laughs> but Robert, we charge a different <laughs> amount for every customer for the, those pallet and, uh, pallet and keg deposits. And I'm like, okay, wait, I have a solve for that. Let's just charge them all the minimum. It's going to be cheaper than coding a solution for that. Let's just charge them all. And they're like, well, no, because they're under federal contracts that, you know, this is all regulated and this is how much yeah. they pay. And we can't yeah. go back to negotiation on that. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some very complex segmentation scenarios that, that go behind that as far as the hierarchy of accounts and people within accounts and who can order and how much they pay and which which accounts uh, have better uh, discount percentages and things like that. There are definitely ways to automate that. And, and it A really does it. come all the way down to just the fact that change is difficult and people resist change, but that you to be able to paint the picture and explain to someone what the benefits are on the other side of that change and how much automate, how much automation and, and, um, you know, benefits that their organization will take away from that, uh, is just extraordinary. And I think that the, the e-commerce, um, tide is kind of shifting. And I think marketplaces are behind it a lot because people are becoming more and more accustomed to, I can buy the same product at dozens of different places. I can buy it online. I can buy it in different stores. I can do it at Walmart. I can do it at Amazon and the I can do it online. Yeah. And so yeah. the D to C problem is kind of solving itself because the world is just saying, yeah, we, you, you're going to sell in multiple channels and it's going to be priced differently in a lot of these different channels. And I, I think the shock and awe of that is starting to wear off, but I do think there's some good old boy organizations that have been set in their ways for a very long time and they're doing it the way that their grandfather did it. But, but the necessity that COVID-19 has brought about is that you're not seeing those representatives. You're not receiving those catalogs. You're not able to do handshake deals and things like that. And, and I think we're, we're going to see the trend accelerate even more in 2021, which I'm calling 2020 the sequel. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and new generations <laughs> you, just don't want to do it that way anyway because uh, they don't have time to. It's, yeah. it, it's counterproductive. It's counterintuitive. And I think, I mean, even for direct-to-consumer, even for retailers, even for, for B2C, that you know, different shoppers, and there are a lot of ways of, of um, slicing and dicing and segmenting 
uh, you know, everyone, every shopper is an individual, but there's a difference in how much communication people want, how they want to communicate, where they want to receive information, how they, it's. There's it's very real, everything Shannon said, hundred percent, like, like the, 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 the veils down, so to speak, like it's okay to talk about direct to consumer 10 years ago. It wasn't like you were having that conversation in a back room somewhere and wiping <laughs> off the doorknob on your way out. Right. Like, like that was like, you just, you, you didn't go there. Right. Like, you know, God, I, if anyone finds out, you know, they're going to shut us down. It's okay to talk about it now. People get it. Like, and it's, it is, it, and COVID's made it a reality. So on the plus side, yeah, it's made it a reality. Like, you go, you go to your existing suppliers or distributors and you say, of course I have to consider this, right? Like, have you been part of this over the last 12 months? Like we're going to go out of business if we don't figure out a way to do this, but it doesn't minimize the complexity of doing it. Like within, within D to C there's many, many different models that need to be considered and they're all different. And there's many, many different considerations. Um, how are you going to drive revenue to your distributors? They're the models um, Harley Davidson was a, a client of mine, like back, you know, back in the day. And, and they have, they used to drive um, revenue from the site to the store in the zip code uh, or the closest to the store in the zip code. They had a model that supported that. They didn't have that many retail locations and they did, they only had one store at a, you know, at max per, per zip code and usually less than that. So that model works. Home Depot has up to eight stores in a single zip code, right. Yeah. Which is arguably way oversaturated. Right. But um, it's a whole different issue, right? Like, how are you going to, and if you can't align everybody, because um, the big, the issue I still see with distributors, they view that they view online as a competitor to them. They don't view it. And part of that's changed. Part of that's just the mindset. And, but, you know, if, if that's, if that's, if that's something that's going on in the organization, it's, it's incredibly counterproductive, right? It's incredibly hampering to getting this to work. So, so show them in real terms, how you're driving, how this is benefiting them. Right. And that's just a part of this process, but it's one aspect out of a million that have to be considered. So I totally agree with the theme and the trend hundred um, percent, but it doesn't minimize what it takes to make it happen. Right. There's still a thousand ways you can mess it up. Like <laughs> you're trying to get there. Right. Yeah. yeah there's trial and error. It, you need a good, you, you need a series of good case studies of, of people talking about their pain points prior to automation and digitization and going into an e-commerce uh, type cycle uh, versus what they were doing and, and what their fears were during that process and, and who they hurt along the way. Because there are people within the organization that are on the sales or account exec side, a lot of personnel that handle the redundancies that are required if you're manually doing these processes. And, 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 and people, you know, may lose their jobs. They change, change jobs. management. Digital yeah. transformation is the broader term, is the broader umbrella of everything we're talking about. Yeah. Has, has so many, like the change management alone is your biggest, is going to be your biggest challenge. Like there's no question. The technology, as complex as that is, is the easy part. Like honest to God, I say this with, in my heart of hearts is the easiest part of the equation. Like we'll get your system up and running. We'll get it integrated. You know, we'll get it performing man. But you know, you know, trust me. And you thought that was a, you know, that was a big deal. That's the tip of the iceberg, my man. Like we got a lot more to talk about. Yeah, um, and, organizationally. Well, and thinking of that, I'm going to shift us to ERP for a second, because we've talked a lot about 
the uh, the e-commerce side of the equation and what some of those challenges look like. From the ERP, I imagine that one of the biggest challenges is that so many businesses are on legacy systems. They're, you know, I still talk to merchants using AS400 solutions and uh, all, all kinds of, um, you know, oh, yeah. dated uh, solutions. Uh, is that, is it the integration where they can't get real time, where there are no fields to work with for the things that they need for curbside pickup and other it's solutions just a legacy, to match it's, things? It's together? a legacy industry. Like it's probably, from a technology standpoint, the the most legacy laden, if that's a word, um, <laughs> industry that's our system, right? Like ERP has been around since way before commerce, right? Companies were using, you know, order management and inventory management are things that had to happen. Like, I don't know, you know, a hundred years ago, right? Like, you know, these, and a lot of these systems have their history in, um, you know, they've, they've grown up over time. Oracle and SAP have been around for a long time, man. And um, that's part that's just inherent in the issue. You know, Acumatic happens to be a cloud-based solution because they're newer to the equation, you know, access from anywhere to anywhere, which all of a sudden enter COVID and wow, that really matters. <laughs> like, I, yeah. if, you, if you have to be on-premise to use your systems, like, that's a problem. And, you know, yeah, if you're not in a, a secure data center somewhere and dealing yeah. with, with efficiency there and redundancy there, all those people that still have, you know, these kinds of mission critical applications running from their own offices, from their own servers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, that's over. Yeah. You know, even, even banks have figured it out. Even financial institutions yeah. have figured out how to enable people at home. So that'll increase confidence. But, um, you know, the, the, you know, it's it's an, an interesting um, thought because when I look at tax, for example, so we built Vertex's integration into Acumatica, right? I said Acumatica, not Magento, you know, not not a commerce system. They have that already, of course. But isn't it interesting that they are in these are not cheap. Um, you got a good deal, Shannon. But you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these are not cheap. When, when you know, when companies go and they build an integration, it's like the app store. You know, you take it for granted that you can download an app. That app costs that company a hundred thousand dollars to put in place, and they've got to keep it up to date for multiple operating systems. Like, it's a mil- It's a million dollar investment, right? So that you can just download it and leave it on your phone for five days. I think is the average life of a of an app on your phone. <laughs> But that's a significant investment. Like for Vertex to build an integration to Acumatica, which is a lesser known name in the space, um, it's a huge decision. But, you know, put your money where your mouth is, right? When you start to see that level of investment into an ERP platform, which traditionally they wouldn't have done that, you know, that just tells you how important it is and how, you know, how how important it is to Vertex that they can reach into these B2B companies because these B2B companies aren't going to be on Magento anytime soon. And Vertex knows that. ShipStation knows that. And the more um, innovative organizations are building those relationships because they know it taps them into. And then when they do come online, guess what? We're already your tax provider and we've got an integration for that too. And nothing's going to change. It's going to be one less thing that you have to worry about. And they like you and it's all good. But, you know, that's kind of probably the biggest indication that, um, you know, from a, from an ERP standpoint, uh, from a distributor mindset that, um, you know, you, that's what you're starting to see evolve and pretty dramatically. Like, um, and it's a it's significant investment, you know, these companies are making into ERP. You know, ERP, the systems, they are what they are, right? Um, 
And that's all, you know, again, Vertex recognizes that, right? Sage isn't going away tomorrow. Epicore is not going away. Dynamics isn't going away. You know, we've got to figure out a way <clears throat> in, in the big scheme of things. Yeah, we're probably 10 years away from that. So in the big scheme of things, geez, 10 years, my daughter's six and it feels like it was, it's been, you know, I, it feels like I remember when she was like six months, right? Like I don't, the time flies, but 10 years for a business, you know, as they're looking to grow and expand, um, Vertex and, you know, their customer base, um, 10 years is a huge, a tremendous amount of time, you know, in that journey, you can't let that go. Plus you got stiff competition, you know, and, and I think, you know, time. part of one of the threads that I'm sort of, you know, hearing that's common is about flexibility is about being able to innovate is about what integrates with it and, and what's going to integrate with it tomorrow. Because if you're on a platform that it doesn't have that kind of movement, and that you're not going to be able to take advantage of the latest e-commerce technologies and have things working together on, you know, front of the house, back of the house, you know, like having the same sales tax systems front and back, that sort of thing. Yeah, for that sure. These are Once you deploy your site, here's the bad news. That's mm. table stakes, right? Like yeah. Now you gotta, yeah. Now you got it. Now, now we're talking all the things that you have to do. Like honest, I mean, and, and you know, companies are overwhelmed with that type of implementation. And, and yeah, so now you're ready to actually start doing business. And that's going to take 10 times the investment and, and effort that, you know, you just put into this deployment. Well, yeah. I, I think around. that's the reason why we've kind of taken the route that we have at Vertex and, and that we've aligned with the, the ERPs and the e-commerce solutions, subscription billing, uh, uh, procurement, all of these different solutions is just what Ted is talking about. We want to be everywhere that you're doing business at the, at the speed of business, right? And we're, we're, it's one of the huge differentiating factors of Vertex is that we have the three different deployment models. So if you've got these companies that insist on being on-prem, we've got an on-prem deployment. We, we do cloud. We're, we're angling towards becoming a cloud-first, cloud-only type company. And I think that's the nature of, of technology. I think everyone's heading that direction. And then we've got an on-demand solution as well for, for people that are looking for a kind of a hybrid solution. Uh, but integrating into POSs to do in-store retail, where we've got one of the few um, uh, solutions that do that uh, POS tax uh, deploying Vertex Lite right there in the store. So being ingrained in omni-channel, B2C, B2B, all of these other places where things are moving, plus ERPs, it, it, it's getting aligned with all of the technology that is going to be uh, completely necessary for the nature of business in, in 2021 and beyond. Well, just just think about the evolution of, and I know I know we're probably coming up on time, Robert, um, but you know, just this this one thought, you know, kind of encapsulates this idea that uh, businesses do need to be everywhere. Like, you know, I'm not saying your traditional business is going away, but 10 years ago, a manufacturer manufactured a distributor, was a distributor, a wholesaler, a retailer, and they did not cross. Like we did not see crossover among those. And our the average conversation I walk into, they're a distributor, they're doing some level of manufacturing, they have a 3PL, they've got a concept of distribution centers, they're fulfilling out of stores, they're looking at direct to consumer, they're in marketplaces. Like that is just, you know, that is just the way it is. And you need partners that can carry you into that model, right? And that's 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 easier said than done, right? That takes a lot of innovation and forethought and invest true investment. Like you guys could just be a tax company, right? Where I send you my tax return, right? You could keep doing that, right? But, you know, then you're H&R Block, right? Like you're, ne you're never going to evolve into the type of organization that you can be um, 
if you're not, if you're not making those innovations and it takes a lot of time and effort and energy, man, like it takes a lot of effort. It's daunting sometimes, but it's exciting. And I'll just answer the one question you asked that I didn't answer Robert is that's why I do it. I love the technology and I love the impact that we can have to businesses. And I mean that very sincerely because we can have a very, very dramatic impact on business, good or bad. Right. And that's kind of the responsibility part of it. But um, that's well, why I, I think do that's it. a lot of the fun that that's it's a motivator for those of us in the industry. Yeah. We see the impact that we're having in such a short period of time. We don't have to wait generations for it. It's it's cool to be it, part of. It right. Cool. Like, I, it's just cool for me to be a part of that. Um, and that's what I like about it. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about that, we've all been in the industry different lengths of time. But we've all spent a lot of time around some variation of we could slice and dice the numbers a little differently, but the mid market, uh, you know, so there are those, you know, Fortune 500s that that have, you know, huge resources and they've got, you know, one playbook that they can use and set of tools and things. You've got the, you know, the solopreneur, you know, these entrepreneurs that want to get started and I don't know, you know, they, they're just drop shipping products that you can get from a million other places. And um, they're spinning up a $29 a month account with, with a SaaS platform. And you know, they, they haven't really reached much of a crescendo a there. Model. If but, anyone tells you, you can make a million dollars doing that, you got to run the other way. It's so multi-level marketing you, it, all over again. <laughs> it just, it is not, it does not work. You yeah, take, it's good for Shopify stock price. I mean, you know, no offense to anybody, but, um, <laughs> you know, that it is. Yeah. yeah. That, that, they uh, sell the dream. Yeah, it totally is. And I yeah. actually have some Shopify stock, you know, I guess in full disclosure, it's done very, very well. Over the last yes, it, it has. And I expect it'll continue to, I don't have many doubts about uh, it, but, Thinking about it from oh, the mid-market look, that. businesses that are yeah, your big yeah. commerce for that matter. Yeah, it's um, phenomenal. You know, bad. businesses that are up and running, um, they have uh, some operating capital. They're let's say that they're already into maybe the low millions or, or you know what what have you, tens of millions in o- online revenue, or maybe hundreds of millions. You know, they're not those multi-billion-dollar corporations, but. They're also not just starting up with, you know, whatever they can scrounge. Um, they've already got so, some cash flow and such. What's changing for them overall? I mean, we've touched on things like curbside pickup. We know that they've got to watch out for sales tax changes because, you know, municipalities are broke and money's got to come from somewhere. <laughs> you know, uh, we know that there are different things happening. I'm seeing you know, more focus on ADA compliance, on GDPR, CCPA, and and other, uh, other uh, you know, things that, that are happening to keep, uh, you know, consumer information safe uh, altogether. You know, that there are these things that it's kind of like I remember when things went mobile and it went from you need the website to now you have to have a mobile friendly website in order to service uh, the greater community and, and meet consumers where they want to be met, where their expectations are. Are either of you seeing any other interesting trends, anything that you think um, is so, maybe different in the last you know year or so, or will be different soon? Other integrations that they, they need to be looking at and have? Uh, the mobile, I, I, it's always moving. 
mobile first was like, you know, it has to be responsive. And, and now everybody's like, well, you need to get a PWA. You need headless commerce. You know, it's got to be faster. And, and then it goes back to the human race has become so impatient that we can't look at a screen for three seconds without being exasperated. And I think <laughs> removing the friction and, and, and making it effortless uh, is something that I think all technologies are going to be moving towards. Um, and, and, and trying to grease kind of the tracks of commerce to, to make it as frictionless as possible. Um, so th- I think that's, that's the biggest thing that, that I see uh, coming down the pike. I don't think anything's ever going to be the same. I don't think the, the people that went into an office before are going to be returning to an office. Yeah. And I don't think you have to be selling millions of, or, or billions of dollars online to have a very complex business model. Having yeah. a bunch of places where you're selling into jurisdictions you never had before, products that you never had before solutions, even services, people that come and mow your lawn and clean your house, you're going to have to start taxing that in a lot of jurisdictions where you never had to before. If you can afford a babysitter, you can afford your taxes. You know, they say two things are inevitable, death and taxes, and we're one of them. You know, I just filed my my tax return. So I I have a guy, (laughs) right, like that I use, I've used it for 12 years. And people that do their own taxes, I'm like, why? Well, I'm going to save some money. Listen to me. You're not saving no. any money. Like I, I can, I promise you. But but the, what I would just um, echo that. Like like nothing has ever really changed. Like this is COVID has accelerated some of these trends. This has always been the case. You need to be able to evolve with your customers. You need to know your customers well enough to know how they buy, how they want to buy, and you need to stay ahead of that curve, or your competition will. Like that has never ever changed. And COVID has just put a bright bright spotlight on the the inefficiencies or you know some of these areas that you were maybe thinking of getting into like that you you know now you have but it, it, that's always been the case right like you, we have always had to evolve to service your customers or you lose them because you're the other trend yeah the barriers have come down it's easy to move around customers are much more savvy they're much more strategic they don't care if they know the sales guy anymore like that model is just dead like it just it doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah, they want to go. It doesn't mean the that the salesperson can't be reaching out and answering questions and making them feel good. But oh man, it's yeah. totally. Yeah, thank you. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not important, but the yeah. role needs to evolve. Your sales guy doesn't need to be taking your order for you, right? Your sales guy should be talking about you with you strategically about what you can do with the business yeah. and what he's seeing you know, across the board with all of their, you know, their other clients. Hey, did you know that this distributor is doing this? And these guys are thinking about this. This seems like it might be a great idea for you guys, something you could, you know, like that should be the the role. Um, so that's what I mean when I say, you know, the whole thing, Absolutely. The, the personal one-on-one interaction, the relationships will never go away. And it is highly important, no question about it, but it needs to evolve. That time should not be spent walking you through a catalog, right? Unless there's some, strategic reason, you know, for doing Look, that. Uh, unless your business really, uh, you know, has elevator operators and washroom attendants and, you know, and a phone switchboard operator, you know, sitting there plugging wires. Like th- this is one of those things that I think we can all agree, you know, I mean, toll booth workers, all sorts of, there are things that have to evolve because it makes no sense for the, for society, for the consumer not to, you know, and at some point, I think as you digitize more, you can get better control of your supply chain 
and better visibility. You can get into forecasting and things that are otherwise difficult. There's tons and, of benefits. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's just so many benefits that come of it. But that, at the heart of it, that's what it's really about: servicing your your customer in a like. Don't think that you can just rely on the relationship. You know, don't you know that's a, that's a disservice to your customer. You are not doing right by your customer if you're you know, in fact, you know, you're just using your customer and that's, you know, that's just not, it's just not sustainable. Right. Yeah. And if your business is going to stagnate and you're not going to evolve, I tell you what, there's a hundred college age kids right now working hard to disrupt your industry and they're coming a million, to your <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A million that are out of All work right now. Globe. It's a very, very small world right now. <laughs> it is. It's a small world. That's and a scary if you don't thought, evolve, yeah. others will. And you have a whole new crop of people coming up that just, they don't even know what the concept of, of, of going into a store is like, you know, they go into a showroom, they interact with product, you know, they like my, my daughter's got a nanny, you know, she's 23 years old and she's been with her. She doesn't even think like her, her concept of, it's just entirely different than mine. Like it just, it really is just entirely different. Her natural go-to online is just for everything right and and how she interacts and like the whole thing is just i could never even begin to comprehend um i could i just need to sit down and listen right because i just and it, like i'm in technology and <laughs> like, it, it's, it's just, real it's, i don't understand social apps and, and and what those can do good and bad like if you watch the social dilemma you know on Netflix, that'll scare the crap out of you, especially yeah. if you have kids. <laughs> but um, social engineering, like, like it's crazy. And the amount of interaction and time that we spent, like, I, I can't even fathom, you know, growing up in this age. My daughter has an iPad, you know, and and that's scary. And I'm, I can't even feel out the, you know, she'll show me. She'll, she'll be like, oh, I'm watching this video. I'm like, well, I want to see it. I want to make sure, you know, it's, it's, and then she's just like, she's six. And I'm like, where did you, like, I don't know. It's just. It is just, it's coming, right? Like, and there's just, no, you evolve or, evolve and or die. I mean, that's kind of you know, what it comes I, down there's to. There's so many businesses that are still focused on getting curbside pickup right. And I'm at the point where I just want curbside returns. I don't want to stand in line for a half hour in your <laughs> store with a bunch of coughing people next to me. Yeah. And like any of that, I, I want nothing yeah. to do with and it nor anymore. nor will you a year from now, because you're like, I know they can do better. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I love people, better. but that's not where I want to spend my time. That's not how I, you know, I want to spend my time. People, right? <laughs> like, <there's... laughs> Amazon made it harder. Um, and, you know, it, oh, yeah. it was that I could box up the returns and drop them off at a UPS store, wherever, and that was easy. So easy. And now there has to be a barcode. So my wife is sitting there printing out barcodes so that I can have them, but they've got to add a label for each package. And so I've got 10 returns and I've got to wait in line and they've got to scan 10 barcodes and You're label. Like, this 10. is BS. Like, <laughs> yeah, what's, you know, what gives? I don't want to be in here. I, I have a tape gun. I, you know, I mean, I grew up in a, in a manufacturing and a wholesale business. <laughs> like, you know, what, like, what do you do? You go somewhere else, right? Like yeah. you just, you, you just, you just, you turn in a different direction and you go to someone that can do it. Not because you don't like them and, you know, or, you know you're going to uh, hear you're, guys, you're going to hear it here first. And I want you to remember that it was me that said it within the next two years, retail stores are going to have drive-through windows for returns. Yeah. I, yeah. Gonna it's, yeah, it's all coming for sure. And Her retail stores, not enough. If McDonald's can do it, they can do it too. We yeah. need drive-through windows. Yeah, we, and there's that, but then just the whole store concept. I mean, let's talk about commercial real estate and, and, and that whole 
debacle. Like if you're in that well, business. Distribution centers, right? That's what's, yeah. that's the hot real estate right The now. Apple model is the model of the future. The showroom model is the model of the future. You know, interact with the product, high end, really, really good experience. Maybe you can purchase product there. Maybe you can't, but you know, the shopping is going to be done online. Like it, like it has been for the last 10 years. Yeah. <clears throat> I go to, you know, I go to look at, I go to Best Buy as a showroom, right? Um, now they're starting to evolve too, but um, but a lot of those just, those digitally native brands like a Warby Parker or what have you, you know, Bonobos, that we see a lot of that also where they started online. And so what they open up brick and mortar is absolutely just a showroom. They're not going to hand crazy, anything right? there. Yeah, it's okay. It's the model. The model just goes in all directions. Or like, like Tesla no- opening up. I mean, that's a whole other <laughs> can of worms, but, you know. You don't need to drive off the lot. They don't need to have the big lot with, with you know, a thousand cars. They just need you to be able to come and pick and they'll deal with delivery and, yeah. uh, and fulfillment. Warby Park is a great example. Like, you know, they, they, they backed into showrooms and, and it's like, as I would expect, right? Like, like I want to go try this on. Like, I, w- I just expect that I can download their app and I can just go to their store. And I'm not a heavy, heavy user of, of technology in my personal life. Not really. But I expect I can download an app. I can look at product. You know, my, my wife wanted a pair of Doc Martens, right? And I just, I'm like, okay, I'll just, you know, let's, and, and one for my daughter. So they had matching shoes, right? And oh, nice. so I just took, I, I just looked up the app. I went down to the store. She tried a pair on, we, you know, we had to wait outside and do the whole COVID thing. She tried them on and I just told them, you know, my wife's, my wife's uh, mother-in-law is going to get these for her and, and it's going to be a birthday gift and this and that. We just came to try them on. They're like, cool. And that was it. You know, I just expect that you can do that. And then they can, you know, my mother-in-law can find the cheapest price wherever she wants to. They've got pretty good brand control. So, you know, she is going to be the same, but um, yeah, I mean, that's just, I just expect that. And I, I am not a, I'm not near the heavy tech user that a lot of people are these days. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I mean, you could take one look at me and know that I'm a techie, but <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't, I you need uh, a turtleneck. Um, yeah. Right. Ever, like, no, I always I, tell the, the, the creative guys a, in a, in a sweat jacket or something. Right. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I, I need a zip yeah, up the pullover, the pullover. Yeah. Like I always take my cues um, from, from like the tech leaders, right? Like what you, when you see what they're wearing and the pullover, which I was opposed to two years ago, cause I was always like the jeans and the sport jacket. Yeah. That's what you would see, you know, you know, tech leaders wearing, but you look around, I mean, it's the pullover, like the pullover is the new sport jacket and jeans. Like I went from at trade shows showing up in a full suit with tie to, you know, like ditching the tie to ditching the the jacket to, okay, going to the jeans and sport coat, you know, and and this evolution to where now when I'm at trade shows, which it's been a while, but it's a t-shirt and jeans. And because yeah. what never changes, what, you have to know your stuff, right? Yeah. Like that's as it should be. But yeah, it's totally, you know, it's yeah. just, yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> so we it's got a, pullovers. So, today. you know, talk, every piece of this industry evolves so quickly. It's like every time I'd show up and I was overdressed and it happened and it happened and it happened. And I think I've yeah. stopped. I don't think I can go. And that's cool the first time, right? the first or second time. It's like, oh, I'm up in the ante. This is a yeah. good thing. And then you quickly realize no one's talking to you. <laughs> yeah. I want yeah. to talk to that guy. Cause he looks like he has, you know, he gets his hands dirty. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and from that tech perspective, I think that's the you ever other talk to a mechanic wearing a suit. You, uh. Yeah. You really do need to talk to different people in the room because you hit on it. So I'm, I'm a techie by, uh, by nature, but you know, am I using every new social platform as it comes out? No, thank you. <laughs> like, you know, that there, there are certain not. things that, 
you have to always be open to the fact that, you know, there are different people out there. And as a business, you want to be able to service them where they are, how they want to be serviced within reason, but it, it has to make sense. Within, but within, you don't want to be left the, behind. The, the, thing, the other thing that we have to bring to the table always is the value to the business. Like something else that you just kind of um, struck me is you can get caught up in the technology too. Like mm -hmm. VR is not here yet. That's not a good, it will be, it will be in 15 years, like the stupid looking goggles, people will be wearing those, you know, but um, regularly, but it's not here. Like that's a, not a good recommendation for one of our clients right now. You know, we have a jewelry store we're working with that they're working with a partner like that. And they've got some really cool tech and it's awesome, but they're like, they don't know what to do with it. Right. Mm -hmm. They're like, we just want to sell more. Like, I don't know if that's, and they kind of got caught up in it and they went with that partner and they're coming back to us. But um, you know, you gotta be cautious of that too. Right. Like there's always this, the internet of things. Sure. It's coming, you know, but um, let's get, let's get you, let's keep you current, but let's not keep you, let's not push you out to the bleeding edge of this stuff either. Cause that's not going to be helpful either. Yeah. I think uh, artificial intelligence right now and, and predictive machine learning and, and kind of, predicting where your audience is going, what trends they're looking at, the type of products that they want to see, how they want to buy, how they want to be marketed to, all of those things. I think right now that is, as much as it's still in its infancy, it's kind of in a sweet spot right now because it's spooky. I will I will uh, go on an app and look at like Subway and pick out my favorite sandwich and order that. And then anytime that I turn on my internet browser for the rest of time there's yeah. that you know meatball sub that i looked yeah. at and, and bought i'm just how are you doing this yeah. it, it, it's amazing they they find yeah. you where they live yeah. and they it's, it's, when do you jump in right like pwa yeah. you mentioned shannon huge yeah. interest of mine right you know it's for so many reasons right um when do you jump in we're having these conversations right now with two folks like two companies because yeah. we're just the, the question is it's you know i and i tell them in 12 to 18 months you can you know you're going to see this everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, but do you want to have to replatform in 12 months? Probably not, but there's a cost to it. The front end development is four times what it is otherwise. Yeah. But there's none of the extensions, none of the apps, nothing is pre-integrated by and large. Right? It's, it's but, but, only but, just catching up. So yeah. The things they don't understand, like the, the Google algorithms, the algos are changing in April or May, right? And and speed is all of a sudden the number one consideration Core for web vitals, yeah. Like like we have one client that came and told us that, and like, we definitely don't want to invest another hundred thousand dollars, you know, in, in traditional Magento to deal with that again, you know. So let's talk PWA, um, and that's the path we're going down. But that's a very real concern. They don't, you know, most companies don't know that. They don't know that their search engine ranks are going to just all that investment is going to just, it's out the freaking window, yeah. basically, right? Like the lighthouse rankings are going to be so bad that, that it's going to impact. Like they don't know that stuff. And that's where we need to help them understand, you know, is this the right time to jump in for you? And the answer is, yeah, for this one company, yes. For the other one, yeah, you know, again, back to the, it's not going to put you out of business. You know, you're not going to lose your job over this. It's going to be everything you need it to be. Um and that's okay right now. And then we'll address that again in, you know, two years.
That's the value of a great partner right there is making those recommendations from kind of a place of neutrality. I mean, honest conversations. And if you can forge a relationship where you can be painfully honest with someone and tell them you're going to be in a bad spot or you're going to be okay, I think that's really, that's probably the biggest benefit of finding a good quality partner and and, and making that relationship count for your business. Well, and yeah, I think having sure. conversations like this, you know, as a merchant, you know, getting folks like the ones that, that you're hearing today to uh, to provide some insight, because, for instance, you know, Shannon, you just mentioned more of the artificial intelligence, machine learning side of things. You know, there are enterprise products that help with that. And there are companies, you know, upmarket like, you know, and even you know, for mid-market like Emarsis that offers some really cool tech and others. But then there are products that are more catered to SMB and, and some have moved farther down market or have at least versions or, or partial solutions down market. And, you know, the just Unos and high conversions and Wigzos of the world and all these different cool solutions that as a merchant, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep thinking of more. I mean, Springbot has some, some awesome stuff for a long time now. And it was effective, you know, for years and years price wise that when you start to look at, you know, which one of these fits what what we do and why haven't we deployed it yet, as opposed to, uh, you know, I hear these buzzwords and I don't even understand what I'm missing. You know, sometimes it is doing that homework, doing that research of, okay, there's a whole category of like, you know, 20 of these companies now. Why is that? Why are they growing? What are, What's the prevalence? And what do, what, what am I missing? What do I need? Um, I, I love sitting down and having a good conversion rate optimization conversation and looking at, you know, a website and saying like, you've got these 10 different areas that are ripe for improvement. And no, you're not going to move on all 10 right now, but what are the top two or three that you should be looking at next quarter? Um, and then should be oh, doing let's come back to the no list again. Why? Yeah, there's yeah. just stuff like that, that. If you're not having that conversation, like I said, it's not build it and they will come, right? It's it, that's it's just not the way it works. It's like you should be focused a thousand percent on conversion optimization and, you know, um, but again, to the point like that, this is why you don't want to have to worry about tax, like all this other stuff that has to keep happening. Like you want to be able to focus your time on the things that really, really matter to the business. And CO is a big one, you know, probably arguably the biggest you have to have traffic and you need mobile strategies to drive traffic and SEO strategies to drive traffic. Um, so that's definitely important too, but you know, the, the conversion is the other big one. Average order value would be the other lever, but, um, super important. And I love having these conversations too. It just makes me think, um, it keeps you, it, it, it keeps me in the game, you know? So I appreciate uh, the time with you guys too. Yeah. Gentlemen, uh, you know, this is going to be one of our longer episodes, but I think worth every second you. of it. I really, <laughs> really appreciate your time today for this marathon. Um, any final words before we wrap it up? I just want to thank you guys, truly. Like I, I, the, these opportunities, as busy as my schedule is, and I'm always like a little resentful coming into any of these. I'm like, oh, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I always walk out of it with a better perspective, always, like 100%. So um, and I need to be doing these, you know, it's, it's the only way, um, talking with you guys, you know, people that are, you know, they keep you on your toes, right. Um, things you gotta be thinking of. And the day I can't have these conversations is, you know, the day I got to think about 
like what I'm doing. <laughs> well, look, as long as your corporate insurance policy covers my sessions, then we're in good shape. Yeah. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just PayPal you. <laughs> yeah, this this is this has been great for me as well. That I, it just got underscores the value of a great partnership, and, and you guys are fantastic, and you're brilliant, and you elevate my game. I always come away learning something or or, or taking away terminology that I didn't have in my arsenal before. So yeah, it's uh, it's the second best thing to grab in a beer in, in Vegas or New York or something like that. And hopefully <laughs> sometime in this calendar year, we'll get to do something like that. So hopefully very, very soon. Well, gents, yeah. um, you know, thank you for letting me coax you into this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, from, from my perspective, this is a, a labor of love. So um, always great to connect with other people that look at it in a very similar light where, um, you know, they wake up in the morning, just motivated uh, to go out there and do what we do. Um, to our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Um, we hope you'll subscribe wherever you're consuming this, this uh, insightful and amazing piece of media and uh, reach out with any questions. Uh, we're at JetRails pretty much anywhere you can think of. Um, as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and happy selling. Thanks for listening to the JetRails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it, and more importantly, we appreciate you.